0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today preppers. We've, for the last couple of weeks, been talking about preparing for God's promises. If you were here two weeks ago, uh, I, was, I was planning on doing one message called preparing for God's promises, and there were seven points. And if you know me enough, if you've been around long enough, it's hard for me to get through three points. Well, I said... I can do seven. And so I started and I got through two of them. Come on, somebody help a brother out. That being said, I end up making it a three-part series, a mini-series in the series. And so today is Preparing for God's Promises, part three. Yes, I said it, part three. Never done before, but now it has, okay? And we've been talking from 1 Peter chapter one in verse three and how Peter talks to us about how we can really prepare for God's promises in our life. I wanna show it to you, but by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. That was week one. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness. That was week two. Today, we're talking about and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen to do these things and you will never fall away. Peter is writing, he says, hey, I want you to know that God has given us these great and precious promises. This series has really not been about what those promises are. You can look those up and read those. There's all different incredible promises that God has given us in his word. But really what this series has been about, about us preparing and what we can do to really receive those promises. And he says in verse four, I want, you to, I want you to supplement your faith. He said, I want, I want you to, I want you, uh, actually he said before that, he says, uh, uh, th- these promises are to enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The purpose of God's promises is to enable us, to allow us to, 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 to really to, to walk in and receive and share in God's divine nature. And then also to escape the world's corruption, the Bible says, through human desires. There's two reasons why God gives us all these promises. To share in his divine nature. What does that mean? The Bible says that we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says we're saved. The Bible says we become new creations. The Bible says that we're adopted into his family. And so we now have the, we, we have the DNA of God. We, now, he, 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 we are now sons, the Bible says, and daughters of God. OK, so one of the reasons why we, we, we have the promises is to allow us to become sons and daughters of God, but then two, to escape human corruption. So to to be sons and daughters, but then also to walk out and live the way God has called us to live. OK, that's the purpose of God's promises. And then he says in verse five, I love it. It says that that for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. I've said this every week, this word supplement does not mean replace. It's not like you're supplementing your meal with a smoothie and so you're replacing your meal with a smoothie because you're trying to lose weight. That's not what he's talking about here. This word supplement actually means to add to. I'm adding to my faith okay? The reason why we want you to know that it's important to know that is because it's by faith that we receive God's promises. Only God's by God's faith. Uh, only by faith in God, excuse me, that we receive these promises. It is nothing to do with our works. But After we have our faith, we believe, now we supplement, we add to our faith with these seven things, which is works. We're adding to, we're putting our, that's why he says work hard. We're putting in the work on our end to do these seven things to supplement, to add to our faith. Does that make sense? And this is why he gives us these seven things. And I love it. Peter breaks down these three things, or these seven things, excuse me, in three different categories the mind, the will, and the emotions. We talked about the mind the first week, talked about uh, will last week, our choices. And then today I want to talk to you about um, the emotions, on how we're to prepare our emotions and what God is wanting us to do in order to really live out and receive all his promises that he has for us in 2023 and beyond. In the scripture in, in verse seven, he says this, he says, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Brotherly affection. I love that he uses this term brotherly affection, because here's what we know about brothers. Brothers, let me tell you something, they crazy. Brothers, y'all. If you got brothers, if you have brothers, or you are a brother, you know y'all. You and him, or you, y'all, y'all, about as crazy as they get. You be doing er- uh, the craziest thing with your brother, and and you just like this is what it is. We're brothers, you know what I'm saying? We love each other and we hate each other all in the same moment. You know what I'm saying? You punch each other in the face, and then you're playing video games two seconds later. Brotherly affection. Now, when he says this, you have to realize what he's talking and who he's talking to in the scripture in a biblical time. When Christians, when they would walk together and they'd be believers, they were called brothers and sisters. We still are. We're brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're sons and daughters in God. Okay? So we're brothers and sisters. So he says brotherly affection. As I was thinking about this message and studying about this message, I couldn't think, help to think about the greatest story about brothers probably in the Bible. And that's the story of Joseph. Many of you probably know the story of Joseph. Joseph, was, was his brothers hated him, were, was jealous. They sold him into slavery. He's in, he, he's in Egypt, and he ends up getting promoted. Joseph does all the way up to being second in command. Uh, only Pharaoh is above him, and, and what happens is he becomes a, a, over all the storehouses and the grain, and so he's storing up all this grain and this food, and the Bible says that there's this great famine that hits the land. For seven years, this famine is gonna happen and the Bible says that Joseph's brothers and his family are starving so they go to Egypt to try to, to try to get food and so Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. Many of you know this story. They end up coming back and getting more food and Joseph reveals himself to them and I wanna pick that up and show that to you right now in Genesis chapter 45 and verse four. Please come closer, he said to them. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has ravaged the land for two years and will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all of the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately and you can live in the region of Goshen where you can bear near, you can be near, excuse me, me, uh, and will take care with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything that you own. Verse 11, I will take care of you for there are still five years of famine ahead. Otherwise your household and all your animals will starve. Joseph is at this place where his brothers come in and he says, I want you to come closer and Joseph says, I want you to know I've forgiven you. I've I've let those things go. I want you to know I don't hold anything against you. I want you to know that God's the one that sent me here. And I love this because in, in, in Peter, he says, we need to, if we're really gonna supplement our faith to receive the promises God has for us, we gotta have brotherly affection. What does brotherly affection look like? I love it. It looks like Joseph. That he says, you know what, even though you've wronged me, even though you've gone through all these things, I want you to know that don't worry about those things. I've moved on from those things. My heart is I just want to love you no matter what. In First John, actually, yeah, in First John, actually it's just John. John chapter 13 and verse 33, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You must love one another. New commandment, God says. Jesus is speaking. I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love one another. I want you to make sure that you love one another. In fact, when you do love one another, the world and those who are lost and those who are far from God will see that you truly are my disciples by the way that you love each other. I love this. This is what Joseph does. He shows his brothers true love, brotherly affection. Now, as I was processing this, and I was thinking through this message, I was like, what do brothers really do? Like, what does a brother really look like? Like, what, what does that really mean? One, it means this. We have to know about things about brothers. One, brothers fight. We have to understand brothers fight. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15, it will come up on the screen. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that he did to him? His, Joseph's brothers start to get nervous and they're like, what if Joseph, he's, he's his high commander in, in, in Egypt and what if he, he starts to realize and what if he starts to, 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 to get all worked up and then what's he, gonna, what's he gonna do about all the things we've done wrong to him? And the Bible actually says, if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 50, the Bible actually says that Joseph at this time weeps when he hears this. Why? Because he had moved on. But it doesn't mean, here's what we have to know, it doesn't mean that sometimes brothers don't fight. Now, this is an extreme case of a brother fighting. I mean, I, my brothers have never sold me into slavery. You know what I'm saying? But here's what we do know. We do know that all brothers fight. What does that mean for us? If we're talking about being brothers and sisters of Christ. We're talking about living and having brotherly affection towards one another. What does that mean? It means you have to understand at some point in your life, a brother or sister in Christ is gonna hurt you. We've all been hurt. We've all been hurt by other Christians. We've all, it's just, it's, and again, it, it, somebody may have said something to you, someone may have done something to you, someone may have betrayed you. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. We all have walked through situations and seasons where we've been hurt. And so here's what we have to know. We have to know, okay, that's part of it. Is that, are you saying you're condoning Christians hurting one another? Are you condoning what that person said about me? Are you condoning betrayal? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's right. What I'm saying is it's, we're all human. We're all human. We've all been hurt, you've probably hurt someone, I've hurt someone, we've all hurt, we've all hurt. And what happens is if we're not careful, what we can do is we can cause our hurt to distance us. And then what happens is we're never really truly loving one another because we're holding on to a grudge or we're holding on to something that's happened to us or something that's been said to us. In the last four years, God has done so many incredible things in our church. Oh my gosh, I hear people all the time like, oh my goodness, y'all are only four years old. Oh my gosh, this church is like it's been around for 20 years and oh my gosh, like God continues to grow the church and oh my gosh, this is so awesome and uh, all these incredible things and that's great. And that's true. But I will say this, God has done incredible, incredible things in the last four years but has not come without hurt. Can I, is it okay to be honest? Is it okay to be real? Yeah. We've all been hurt. At some point in your life, you've been hurt. In the last four years, I can't count and tell you how many times I've been hurt. Can't even tell you. It's been so many times. If you would hear, if you would be a little person on my shoulder and hear some of the conversations that I have with people. Why? Because people are people. I've had conversations about, with people that say, you we no, we're leaving a church, and most of the time, they don't even have conversations. I hear from somebody else. They had a conversation with somebody else because they don't want to tell me themselves. That's Okay. Man, I'm leave, we're leaving the church because, you know, the, the, the messages and the sermons are just too shallow. They're always just practical, and there's no, there's no depth to the... They're always just for lost people. And I'm just leaving. Now i hear somebody else say something like, we're leaving the church because the messages and the sermons are all too deep. They're all too deep. They're not for lost people. They're just for a bunch of deep Christians. Okay? oh, you know what, I, 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 the music's too loud and the music's all just based around for young people. It's all for young people. The music's just for young people. And then I'll have young people say, the music isn't new worship. It should be the new songs. It should be Elevation and, and Maverick City. And, ah. We've all been hurt. Things that people have said about us or to us. I've had people tell me, you know, Jordan, The messages really aren't biblical. You don't read enough of the Bible. We should be reading the Bible. We should read more of the Bible. You tell too many stories. Then I'll have somebody say, you didn't tell enough stories. You should tell more stories. You're being, you're not funny enough. You should tell more jokes oh, this church is, it's, it's got too many young people. It's too, it's too focused on young people. This is all things I've heard, true stories. Too focused on young people. And then young people will come to me and say, we don't do enough stuff for young people. We've all been hurt. We've all walked through situations and circumstances where we've been hurt, and you know, I've heard things like, oh, oh you're just too prosperity gospel. You're too prosperity gospel. I'm like, when? When? I don't remember ever talking about that. Heard things people say you know what? You should change the colors of Experience Church because I don't like orange. Okay. There's been all types of things that have been said. You know, somebody, uh, one time, no, I'm just telling you different things, but somebody said, when, you know, you should dress up more. You need to look more like a pastor and dress up more. And then I started dressing up more, and people were like, you need to dress more like Stephen Furtick at Elevation Church and wear hoodies. <laughs> Here's the thing. We've all been hurt. I've had people praise me on a Sunday giving me praise and oh man, you're killing it bro, you're killing it, Uh, to do nothing more than to go home and to talk behind my back about me behind closed doors. And it hurts and it's totally fine, why? Because that's part of life. And here's what happens oftentimes with Christians, hear me, I'm being so serious. Here's what happens oftentimes with Christians. The moment we're hurt, we run. But the problem about that is if we run every time we're hurt, we're never, tr- never truly deepening our roots. And if we never deepen our roots, here's what happens. Now, we're not able to flourish the way God desires for us to. Here's what will happen if we just run every time we're hurt. We'll end up alone. The only way, honestly, the only way on this planet to not be hurt is to isolate yourself and never talk to anybody. But here's what's crazy. If you do that, then the enemy will harm you much more and hurt you much more than someone in a church would. And so what does this bring me to? It brings me to my next next thought. That's why we have to be a people that allow ourselves to be like Joseph with brotherly affection that says, I know I've been hurt, but I'm willing to forgive. I'm gonna choose to forgive. I'm gonna to choose to forgive and give grace when that person says something or that person does something. Why? Because I know this, hear me. I know this, that God is up to something greater than what I feel. And so the enemy is trying to keep me from what God is doing in my life and those lives around me. And so here's what I'm gonna do. The enemy's gonna to try to come in and try to attack my mind and try to cause people to be frustrated and all these different things. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you too, all of us. And so it'll, ca- it'll cause us to distance ourselves and then we're never able to fulfill, it, fulfill what God is wanting us to do as a church together because we're so caught up in what so-and-so said or what so-and-so did. We have to choose to forgive. Notice that I said the word choose because forgiveness is a choice. If we wait for a feeling to forgive someone, we'll wait the rest of our lives. Forgiveness is a choice. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna choose to, even though that person wronged me, Are you condoning what they said? No, I'm not condoning what they said. What I'm saying is this the enemy tries to use the very hurt that we go through and walk through to cause division. Why? Because if there's division, there's no unity. And we'll talk about that in a minute. If there's no unity, then there's no ability to be able to really reach the purpose God has called you to. We have to forgive. We have to choose to forgive one another, letting people go. Why? Why do I choose? When someone hurts me or someone says something negative about me, why do I choose every time? Okay, I'm just gonna let it go. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I always go back to remembering what God has done and what God is continuing to do. Do you know that just in a matter of four years that hundreds, hundreds of people have given their lives to Christ? Hundreds, hundreds of people now have a place in heaven for eternity, not because of me, because of us are choosing to love one another. Because that's what the scripture says. The scripture doesn't say, they'll know that you're my disciples by the, how good the pastor preaches. He says, they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And through loving one another, others see Christ and they come to know Christ. They receive Christ. And their eternity is changed forever. All because we choose to let go and love. Hundreds of people. Nothing gets me more excited than someone's eternity being changed forever. We've had a ton of people being baptized. We've We've had opportunities where people, we've had people in our church that have met lifelong friends in just the last four years. We've had people tell us I've met this person and we feel like we've known each other our whole lives and there's this community that's being built together and so it's an incredible opportunity. We've had people in our church who have met their spouses here in just the last four years. We have people in our church that are still praying for their spouses to meet them in here. Come on, somebody. Y'all know y'all thirsty, you little, and it doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. Like, Lord, me. It doesn't matter. Stop it. Okay. Pick me. Here I am. I didn't say that in the last service. There it is. You got a freebie. We've had almost every person including you, if you call yourself a part of experienced church, that their faith has been deepened here. So why would I, oh my goodness, I'm gonna talk to you for a second. So why would I let what someone says about me affect what God is trying to do in other people's lives and my own it's the same thing with you. Do you know the very hurt that's in your heart or hurt that's in your mind that you've been holding to is hindering what God is trying to do through you. It's what the basket is to cover your light. God wants to use you to be a light, to show brotherly love, but if there's hurt with one another, then next thing you know, when we're not forgiving, next thing you know now, we're not really shining and showing others who he is because we're just caught up in ourselves. That's why it's so important. I love Joseph that he said, I'm not gonna let that, none of that matters. Why? Because I know God is up to something. He's the one that sent me here. And so that is more important to me than the way that I feel. Brotherly affection. We gotta know we're we're gonna get hurt, there will be hurts, but then we gotta choose to forgive. Thirdly, as we continue on, the scripture says in Genesis chapter 45 and verse nine, he tells this, he tells his brother this, now hurry back to my father and tell them, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. He tells his brothers, I need you to go and tell pops to grab all the kids, grab, get, grab the kids, grab your wife, come on down and, and, and live here. Isn't it interesting that Joseph went from forgiving them to then now teaming up with them? Why? Because Joseph knew they were, he was better with them than without them. Joseph could have never continued to govern Egypt and go get his father at the same time. He needed his brothers to fulfill what God was wanting to do. It's the same thing with you and I. What is brotherly affection? Brotherly affection is that we would forgive one another, but then also that we would say, we wanna team up with one another and we wanna build unity for the purpose of what God has for us in our lives. Unity. Unity is the greatest example, hear me. Unity is the the greatest example that we have On this planet for Jesus. Unity is the greatest example. If you read the scripture we just read in John chapter 13, the Bible says they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. There's unity together, harmony with one another. It doesn't say they will know you are my disciples by how much you read your Bible, how much you know your Bible, how much you worship, how loud you worship. How high you lift your hands. Are you a half heart raiser? Are you a low raiser or a high raiser? None of that matters. It's not about how much. Ch- he doesn't say they'll know you my disciples, but how well you can pray. He says you will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. You have unity together. There's harmony together. And so from that now, this unity allows others to see his goodness in us. If we really want to be a light in our community, We have to first choose to love one another, teaming up with one another, building unity together. Over four years ago, when Ashley and I were, before we ever started the church and we were praying, we were asking God, many of you have heard this story and that's totally fine. I'll tell you again. You can hear it again. One of our our secret prayers during that time was God help us to build a place a people that are multicultural and multigenerational. God help us to build a A people is multicultural, multi-generational. Why? Why would we pray that? Because if you look around our world, there's so much division. There's so much division in our nation, in our world. And let me tell you something, I'm just being real. That's not heaven. That's not what heaven looks like. When we get to heaven, it's not gonna be all one race. It's not gonna be all one age. I wish we could all go back to 30, come on, somebody but it ain't gonna happen. It's the Bible says every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all gathering together to do one thing in unity, one thing, honor him. And so as we prayed for our, for our church, this is what we prayed as a prayer in church. We said, God, help us to build a place of people that are multicultural and multi-generation. Give, let, let us show Tallahassee a small glimpse of what heaven looks like. And so that's what we've been doing and that's what we're going to continue to do. Why? Because we want to be build uh, we want to use our differences as our strengths, not our weaknesses. See, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that is this in our culture is this. Difference means division. And difference means disagreement, so disagreement means division. That is such a lie of the enemy. Differences are what make us stronger. If you're all like me, one, you're crazy. Two, we're not going to get anywhere. We have to all use our our special giftings and our special talents and our unique characters and our backgrounds to all come together in order for us to be one people so that we can continue to show Tallahassee and the world who God really is. Teaming up teaming up, saying we're going to build together, love one another, forgive one another. Why? Because we want people to see Jesus in us. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 11, very quickly, as I'll make this now a four-point part series. I'm joking, I'm joking. I will take care of you there, verse 11. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. What does brotherly affection look like? Brotherly affection looks like there's going to be moments where we hurt. There's going to be opportunities for us. We have to choose forgiveness. We have to choose to team up and walk in unity together. But then lastly, we have to be willing to care for one another. He says, I'm going to take care of you. He said, don't worry about it. If you don't come and you don't allow yourself to be taken care of, you're gonna starve. But don't worry, I'm here, I will take care of you. This is such an incredible picture of what brotherly love and loving like Christ looks like is that we would be willing to care for one another. There are not many things, hear me, there are not many things worse on this planet than being in pain or in need and being alone. There are not many things on this planet worse than being in need and being alone. Why does God, that, what, what, what does that mean? That, that's why God puts us in community. so Brotherly affection, loving one another, caring for one another. That we would be the first to jump and say, I'll pray for you. That we will be the first to say, hey, I'll cook you a meal when, you, when you're not able to cook. Hey, I'll be the first to give you a ride if you need a ride. Hey, I'll be the first to jump on board and do what I need to do. Why? Because I want to help care for you. Why? Because in my time of need, I want somebody to care for me. The caring for one another is not just the pastor's job. If that's the case, there's only so many people I can care for, and I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? We need to care for one another. That's the purpose of us walking together and brotherly affection. Y'all know I've been on this creation kick. If this is your first time, I'm not a tree hugger, but I've been walking a lot through different creation thought processes this year, and I've been studying and thinking about and looking up and reading and all these different things about redwood trees, okay? If you don't know what a redwood tree is, we're gonna pray for you after service, okay? Redwood tree it's a very large tree okay largest in the world and so I've been reading and looking at these trees and uh, one day I'm going to go I've never been but I'm excited to go one day and look actually look at them in real life but these trees can grow about 340 to 360 feet in one tree 340 360 The largest tree that they know of that's a red tree a redwood tree is 380 feet the largest that they know of. Here's what's interesting about redwood trees. Red, redwood trees can grow to 340, 360, and even 380 feet. But did you know their roots only go down and are only about 10 to 12 feet long? Now, you got to picture this. You got to think about this. 380 and 10 If you think that through, if you realize, if you know, literally, you could touch a tree that's 380 feet, you should be able to touch a tree and the weight of your finger would knock it over just because their roots are so shallow. You may know this already, you may not. I did not, I learned something new. Redwood trees only go down, or their roots are only, in fact, they say they've never found a redwood tree that's roots that are longer than 12 feet long. So here's the question then we have to ask. How in the world do these trees not fall over? How in the world do these trees live thousands and thousands of years? How in the world do these trees, every time a storm comes, they're stronger than ever? Did you know that redwood trees, they go 10 to 12 feet, not down, but out? And did you know that redwood trees, as they go out, they intertwine their roots with other other redwoods? And did you know that as they intertwine their roots with other 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 roots of other tr- redwoods they in, end up being stronger and here's what happens now one is holding the other up You'll never find a redwood tree by itself But what happens is when they get together they intertwine their roots and it would happens they end up being stronger because of the other trees oh my goodness, that's not a picture of what God wants us to do as brotherly Christians and sisterly Christians and brotherly sisterly people. In fact, it goes a step further. As their roots intertwine, believe it or not, this is true. You can look this up. As is, is these roots intertwine, when one tree is struggling, if it's not receiving the amount of nutrients that it needs, That these other trees, because their roots are intertwined, that what happens is these other trees recognize and realize that one of the trees is not receiving the nutrients it needs. It's dying or struggling. And so these other trees, through their root system, actually give nutrients and help build up the other trees so that they can survive and be strengthened. If that doesn't sound like what God is wanting the church to look like, I don't know what does. See, as as humans, oftentimes we think, okay, we want to go as deep as we possibly can. I've been a Christian for 50 years, and I want to learn something new. God's got to speak to me about something new, and that's great. I'm all for knowledge, but if we just go deep and down, and we don't go out and intertwined, we're missing the greatest thing that God has for us. Because we can't do life alone. We need one another. And so this is why it's so important. If this is not your church, that's totally fine. But you need to find a church. Why? So that you can intertwine your roots and so that you can continue to grow. And then there, someone is there for you when you're down. Someone can feed you and strengthen you and speak to you and pray for you because you're going through something and they can build you up. What happens oftentimes is through the hurt, what happens, we separate ourselves and so we'll join somewhere else. Then we separate ourselves and we join some walls and now we're walking around with all this pain and no help and the purpose of why we walk together is to build one another up. Brotherly affection. That we would care for one another and then when we do this the world says something's different about those people. Because they're choosing to love, even though they're all different. They're choosing to love and build one another up, even though they have all different backgrounds, and they all look different, and they all sound different, and they all talk different. Why? Because we're choosing to love one another. Brotherly affection. Lastly, as I close, he says, brotherly affection with love for everyone. I love this because it's not just loving here. It starts loving here. But then we get outside of the four walls of what we call church or a service and we start to love people in our neighborhoods. We start to love people in our schools. We start to love people in our, in our communities. We start to love people in our jobs. We start to love people in Walmart and Target and Publix and all that. We, start, we just start to, we, it, it starts here, but it doesn't stop here. It goes out there. And from that, people begin to see Christ in us and begin to realize there's someone greater, not us, but there's someone greater that's there for them, all because we're choosing to love. I love this. This was not even my plan, believe it or not, in the beginning of the year to do our four-year anniversary and this message. This is just the way God kind of did it. And I love this because this has really been the staple of our church for the last four years, that we're going to love everybody, no matter what you look like, no matter what you sound like, no matter what your background is, no matter how much money you do make or don't make, none of that matters. Why? Because we want to bring, we want to give people opportunity to know that they're loved for who they are. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. Somebody who doesn't believe, we're going to love you. Someone that's in sin, we're going to love you. Someone that is literally believes, the, I mean, is just so far gone that no one will even talk to them, we'll love you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. I'm not gonna, I'm not, we're not going to approve of sin. That's not what I'm talking about. So People are going to leave and be like, oh, he, he's all grace. He's all grace. He's all grace. I'm not saying we approve of sin, but what we're saying is we're going to love you in your sin, whoever they are. Why? Because in the end, that's what Jesus did for us. And it's been the staple of our church. And I believe These four years have been so incredible in what God has done that I can't wait for the next four and the four after that and the four after that. But I do know this. No church will ever be truly effective if we don't learn these two principles. I'm gonna go a step further. Not just don't learn these two principles, we don't live these two principles. Loving one another and loving everyone outside of this building and this community. And as we do this, I'm telling you, I believe it with all my heart as we do this, as we prepare our lives, prepare our minds, our wills, and our emotion, we add to our faith with these seven things that we've talked about. I'm telling you, we will see God move in our own personal lives in 2023 like never before. We'll do our part. As we do our part, I know he's going to do his part. Amen. Can we pray today? Father, I thank you so much.